Hello, everyone. How you doing today? It's um, the last day of May, 30, May 31st, and uh, we're up against uh, June, which is crazy. We're still talking hockey, of course. We still have a whole series to go. <laughs> June has not begun. <laughs> June is, is going to begin before the series, which is, never used to be the case, right? But no, here we yeah. are. Russ, what do you got going on today? Yeah, I wanted to talk about um, – it's always fun. Like, we watch hockey, and there's a lot of uh, international players. With baseball, you – I like to watch the Japanese players and like to watch how they kind of have to try and figure out the game here. Cause it's different. They pit like a pitcher. I'm going to talk about Kodai Senga, you know, they pitch on longer rest. They, you know, the batters there are more um, really more um, in tune to making contact where ours are more free swinging. And so, mm -hmm. it, you know, it, there takes a little bit of time for an adjustment. And so like last night with the Mets against the Phillies, Senga looks like he has finally made the adjustment. Like, don't get me wrong. He's having a really good season. He's five and three. Um, and he's got 70 strikeouts in 55 innings. So this, right. he's, he's got a pitch called, called, called the ghost fork ball. And right now it is the most unhittable pitch in baseball because um, he struck out nine yesterday and seven. But the thing is when he throws it, it's it, it, nobody's like tattooing it. Nobody's hitting it hard. The exit velocity is not good on it. It's mostly misses. It's kind of like when the split finger first got into baseball. When now the fork ball was like around like in the 60s, then it was around um, maybe in the 80s. I think there was a guy who threw it, and then it just went away. And so now he's brought it back. And I, I have to tell you, I mean, this is his 10th game, and still there's not a good book on him. Like teams don't have a good book on him yet. He has walked a lot of batters, but yesterday he didn't, so he may be figuring that out too. Oh, nice, nice. Nice. I got something strange that I want to bring up. By the way, Kevin, I loved your first swing set today. That was really cool. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, we have a classic swing set here too. It's like the same kind of thing, but um, it's been a family thing from the beginning. But um, yeah, I wanted to talk about the Otter Dynasty. Okay, a show that I'm watching on the Discovery Channel right now, um, and it is the weirdest animal show I've ever watched. And we watch every animal show here because my son's an animal person. Um, but we watch, but this with the Otter Dynasty is basically if you could take Game of Thrones and meet and, and merge them with actual otter footage, you would have it's a it's harsh. There's bloodshed. There's there's babies being killed. There's um, all about. It, 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 I'm serious. This is all happening, and it, it, there's, it's all being dictated. So what I think happened is this: like I think someone filmed a whole lot of otters in Singapore, like a ton of otters in different places in Singapore. And then they said, you know what? Wait, wait, wait. Like, and someone, someone wanted them to do that, and they didn't pay them for it. This is my, this is my theory. And they, they went to the Discovery Channel and said, you know what? I think I can make a story out of this somehow, but to be in these different clans of otters fighting each other, and um, turned into like because matriarchal societies otters are, and um, so like the you know, the women are leading the whole. The, the the queen was you know killed the mother the, the daughter coming like back the here. The story of otters. This is all otters, and it's it's like. No, so, it's inter it's interspersed with um like just like like just like like clips of Singapore skyline, like just back and forth, like just just they just 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 to kind of break it up from just otters, but they 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 show the clips of and it's there's a meerkat one where they give like the meerkats personalities and they uh, it's, it's yes. like that. The meerkat one is good because is. there's a lot of comedy in it. I right. don't know if I would watch the otter one because of the bloodshed. Like that it's would bother me. Brutal. It is 
there hasn't been there hardly is any happy moments. They go right. like the problem in the Meerkat one. There's a lot of happy moments. Right, Meerkat Manor. Right, it's called. And there's yeah. also one with Prairie Dogs. Pretty funny, yeah. but this one, Otter Dynasty. I guess they're just they're taking off on the Ottoman Dynasty. It's the right. Otter Dynasty, and it is brutal. Like it's some. I don't watch violent stuff very often. It is the most violent thing I've watched on television in a long time. Like and we, it's otters. It's just footage of otters. The only thing I can tell you is if you want to experience otters go to my facebook page it's like a video from like 11 years ago we were friends with a trainer who worked at the philly zoo right yeah so we got to see the otters like right where they get trained and everything and i had audio of them like eating and screaming and so like you know otters while they are super cuddly and cute man they can make a lot of noise they're they're not friendly no okay and 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 this thing will make you realize that i mean they are they're adorable, and they have they they go down the slides into their pools and things like that at the zoos and all this. But they are vicious, and it's like they it, want their this, food. That's all I can tell you. This filming was all real, like it's real, like fights and stuff like that. And it, but it's like one otter matriarch taking out the babies of the other group. It's like oh my gosh, and it's wow. it's just crazy. An otter getting run over by a car happens in this. It's just like. And and that it shows it shows you put it shows them taking a shovel with the otter and dumping it into a dumpster with a person. Yeah, see, they should have done it to <laughs> Sopranos music. If they did it to Sopranos music, I might have watched. It's then I would say, oh, okay, it's Game of Thrones music, and it's like it's it's very Games of Thrones like. It is crazy. It's on Discovery Plus. Are, are you still watching it? I mean, haven't you? Yeah, no, I can't not watch it at this point, Kevin. I'm three episodes <laughs> in. But you don't you don't want you didn't watch Game of Thrones or any of those because they were too bad. This is otters, Kevin. Like, it's like you know, like. Where does this go from here? Like, it's already reached a level of violence like that you would expect in the finale. So how can it possibly? It's like there's there's five episodes to go. They're each an hour long. It's like, wow. <laughs> I, you know, you know, there, there's a bit of hypocrisy in this. You won't watch fiction, but it's real and you're that's real true. violence, and you're into it. Like, that's, that's a little scary. I a little. Scary. A little scary. <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe maybe I maybe I've changed. I don't know. But it's something. As long know. as it's real, Eck can watch it. So. Right. As long as it's real violence <laughs> with you, animals. You, but you fake notice, violence with humans. No. You notice I haven't said anything. This is incredible, Mike. This is right reality. I'm telling you. Um, no, it's not. I challenge you. This guy, Mike. You would like this. That's what I, I challenge you each to watch a few minutes of this. Like if you, I don't know if you have Discovery yeah. Plus or not, but. Probably I'm watching it, zero I, minutes of this. I am. I, I I can't take the violent um, wildlife shows. I don't like them. Yeah, I'm I'm with Russ on this act. Like I yeah, I um like I can't watch even in uh, fake stuff. Like when they, I don't know why they decided in fiction that we have to see real surgeries or yeah, you know, and uh, you know when they, they have to make it gruesome. You know, if you're watching something fake. And it's just part of the deal. And, you know, my mind tells me, well, this is just, you know, fiction. But if it's real stuff, like, you know, that's, right. you know, I don't like hunting shows where they well, shoot the deer. I can't watch any of that. I was traumatized as a youth watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild. Right, right. I don't even like that. Wait, how does that traumatize you? Watching the lion, like, eating an impala and ripping it to shreds. Yeah. Or just, like, the deer getting eaten by an alligator. You know, like, it's just an alligator. Just yeah, no. Entertainment, yeah, uh, no, I, I, I don't. I can't do any of that, so I just can't you imagine. Entertainment, Russ. And if, but Kevin, now you watch that, and you're like thinking to yourself, "That's just the circle of life," you know, and it's horrible. 
But you're watching, that is what has to, you know, alligators have to eat and all that stuff. You're watching this and they're giving you the backstories behind why they're killing each other. Yeah. Not for food. It's because they eat fish. It's for power. And well, wow. I'm, I'm it, with Russ and Mike. I'm, I'm staying away. <laughs> you know, chimps are the only chimps are the only animal that, besides humans that actually wage real war with each other. Like chimps, there have been chimp wars where the groups of chimps have like have sneak sneak attack and murdered other chimps. Try to get they actually, wow. actually are chimp wars. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Let's talk hockey. Now that we've done that, hello hockey world. <laughs> It's, it's it's let's call it Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Oh, we talk the Erie Otters. Uh, the Erie Otters. <laughs> the tie-in. Thank you, Dick Connor McDavid. Erie Otters. Hello, Hockey World. It's Wednesday, May thirty-first, two thousand and twenty-three. I'm Michael Lagello, and the only Otter show I've watched is Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. That's a good one. Muffins. I'm Russ Cohen, and we're going to talk about a non-violent sport like hockey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kevin Allen. And that's utterly ridiculous. And I'm Eckman, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that where I have to say that once every episode, and the kids are like, okay, you got your one. Um, here we go. So <laughs> we're going to talk today about we have a lot going on for for a Wednesday in May, like at the end of May and June. Like, well, we, so many- we said it yesterday. It's like the, the league does not want any con- any conflicting information or, or news okay. Coming out, so you're going to see today and tomorrow probably all this stuff come out, and then Friday's media day and Saturday's the start of the Stanley Cup Finals. So you're, there's going to be a rush in the next 24 to 48 hours of all this stuff. I'm going to do a counterpoint on that, Mike and I'm, Kevin. I'm wondering, I'm asking you to change a paradigm for me here because yep. does that make sense anymore? Like, does it make sense that they don't want stuff coming out during the Stanley Cup Finals? I mean, in, in all actuality, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess uh, you know the idea is. Uh, I, I, I know what you're getting at, and, and I don't disagree with your, your point, because I, I sort of alluded to this yesterday. It's like, why do we pay so much attention to the idea of, um, you know, it's a big event when we know that um, the only the teams that are involved, their fan bases are, make up the crux of the fans. It's not like the Super Bowl or the World Series where you have just casual fans that tune in. So right. if, if, why don't we just acknowledge that and move on? So why don't we say this too? Like, you know, it's not big enough to say, well, let's limit what we're doing so that we can focus on this because right. people are not going to focus on it. So let's just go ahead and do our business. And yeah, and, and maybe we're talking about the Rangers coach during the during the Stanley yeah, Cup game where people will watch. Yeah. Sprinkle it in. Like if they were to show, as an example, let's say Game One of the Stanley Cup is going on, and that's when the Leafs decide. They were going to have their press conference, and they showed that press conference during the intermission. I'm fine with that. I don't think hockey fans would be adverse to that. Well, I, I'm fine with it too, but you do, but it seems to be the narrative in professional sports about this because, I mean, do you remember a few years ago when I think Alex Rodriguez announced that he was going to opt out of his contract during the World Series, and it was like somebody, it was like somebody had yeah. shot your mother. It was ridiculous. Yeah, but, but it, it makes sense in the other sports. It doesn't make sense in ours, you know. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, because those are bigger events, you know. So, yeah. I mean, do, do people suddenly stop watching the World Series, or do they come on the World Series because they want to hear what the guys in the World Series are talking about in between in between innings about Alex Rodriguez a little bit, and that might be interesting. Like, I think that there's something. I just think we're hanging on to an old paradigm that is just. I don't, I don't have a problem with it because I'm a multitasker and I can walk and chew gum at the same time, and apparently the NHL can't. So Does anybody really want to focus for 
12 to 14 days to be on Vegas in Florida? Yes. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily the best move. Like I'm just, I don't, I'm yeah, just yeah. I, you know, and I'll stick by what I said the other day. I think for hockey fans, this is a great series. You know, we don't yeah. care how big this size right. of the, um, right. um, you know, the cities are, but you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm with you on this. I, I think we've just kind of outgrown that thinking. Yeah, it feels like we absolutely have. And it just, it's like things are so different now. Like putting out news on Friday at 5 p.m., all these old things that we used to do are kind of pointless because we live in a 24-hour news cycle where people are on Twitter all the time and everything kind of exists. You know, so it's like I get some of it, but I, and I still think some of it. But, but, but it's amazing how teams and the NHL hang on to those things. They hang on to them for a really long time. Like, I don't think there's going to be a point at which the NHL is going to stop, stop saying next year, oh, you can just announce anything when you want to. I don't think that's going to happen either. And I don't even know if they're officially saying it to teams, but teams are just assuming it. Like, I think that's, other, that's also yeah. going on. Well, no, that, that could be. That's always been the tradition. And so, right. you know, no, that you may be right. Right. So um, but let, but, so let's talk about some of the other news. Before we go, we're going to do the review of the next series because this because we're all here today for sure. We should be here Thursday and Friday to some of us, but we know if we're not, we're all here now. So, but let's let's first talk about the coaching the coaching changes um, or the coaching speculation that's going on now. Because we already talked about brunette and all that, um, and um, but now the big speculation of Laviolette in New York, um, Russ mm-hmm. feels like I keep hearing it's practically done. Like you know, and that it's just a matter of when, right? And I think that's actually a pretty good fit for them. I think I think it's not a bad idea. Well, I, I think it's practically done now that Elliot Friedman has come out and said that. Um, Sheldon Keefe is pretty much staying in Toronto. So I think, I think the Rangers would have interviewed him had he become available, but he's not shaken loose. And I think either Chris Drury will say that he interviewed Patrick Waugh or wait to interview Patrick Waugh until the end of the Memorial Cup. And then after that, I think they'll hire Laviolette. And it's, it's good and bad. It's good because he has yeah. some of the traits that they need in a coach immediately he's bad because he doesn't have any of the traits they need in a coach for the future because there's not much future when you hire peter Laviolette. like we we know this no he's a finisher he's a closer yeah like as far as coaches go he's a closer right like he comes in team's pretty close and then he closes it don't don't you think though like i would have thought that they would have gone for i mean offensive coaches are so difficult to find in the modern world and laviolette Laviolette is that yeah right you know, so I mean, is that what the Rangers needed to no, be? Offense is not their problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I didn't think so either. That's why I want. It doesn't seem to make sense to me, but you know, defense, there was such. Correct me if I'm wrong, Russ. There's such a dynamic going on that that Gallant didn't have his guys that he wanted to run the team, and I'm but tired of that. like it's just but it's when you look at it, you look at the players who come in. It's hard to argue that they aren't Laviolette's guys. I mean, they really, he really did bring in, like, the, they really are, like, these players do fit Laviolette. Well. Yeah, they're all offensive players, yeah. Right, but, but, but that that is under the assumption, and Russ would fight against this, that the players that they brought in at the deadline, Tarasenko, Kane, that they're going to keep them. They and I don't think they can keep Tarasenko because he's going to want too much money. But, no, you know, keep going. Right, but supposedly Kane chose to go to the Rangers, and that's under the assumption that he would want to stay with the Rangers. And if he wants to stay with the Rangers, then you have to have an offensive coach, which 
you know, I said at, at the deadline that what Chris Drury did for Gallant was not a favor because the players that he acquired did not fit the way Gallant wanted to play. Now they're bringing in a coach, but there's no guarantee that Patrick Kane is going to stick around. Right. None. Or he's going to be any good. I mean, we have to bring that up still. And that's the bigger part, right, Russ, you're bringing up there. But I think he will stick around if they want him to. And I think and that's fair. But the, the other thing is this. They still have four or five young players that are still evolving as players. And I do think they're all making small steps forward. And that's because they really haven't had a good developmental coach. So LaViolette is, again, not a good developmental coach. And I think that's part of the issue here, too, because otherwise you might as well just trade some of these young guys now that you picked it with high draft picks. Because if you're going to bring in old guys like Patrick Kane and keep looking for that kind of way of winning, then, you know, what you did for the rebuild, you really only did halfway or, you know, there's another word. I don't agree with Lavia. That's not a good developmental coach. Like, I think oh, that I, 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 when you look at things through teams like in the Flyers, like, you know, with Richards and Carter, he did a good job. And then they in already developed. They came in, they came yeah. into the AHL. They won a championship. Those two guys, when they got to the NHL, were really good. The only thing with Carter was he relied a little too much on one shot. Other than that, those guys were developed. And that life. was twelve years ago. I mean, yeah. it's but they're not. But they're but is Lobby is is is, is Lafreniere less developed than Richards was? Yeah, I think he. I when think. Lobby, he's he's right there, so. I mean, Lafreniere's been in the NHL for a couple of years. Richards came in as a rookie with Laviolette. It doesn't matter. He was he he the way he played the game was different. The way Laviolette, not Laviolette, the way Lafreniere was playing in in, yeah. in juniors, he's no longer playing in the NHL because they're asking him to be a different kind of player. So he right. had to learn how to do that. Same with Kako. Kako came into this league, everybody thinking he's going to be a big offensive player, and now he's their best cycler and one of their best defensive forwards while he's still scoring some goals. So these guys have had to change roles, and they've had multiple coaches already. Like, this is bad for young players when you keep revolving coaches. But here, but here's the narrative that I think we have to we have to sort of pursue when it comes to the Rangers. Okay, so Chris Drury, as a first time full time GM, has brought in two coaches. Now, if Laviolette is the hire, first he brings in Gallant, and Gallant had a record in terms of getting to the Stanley Cup final with Vegas. You know, long record as a respected coach, but coached a certain way, and uh, you know that that was just his the way he did it. And now if he brings in Laviolette, these are now coaches, not developmental coaches, now coaches. That would lead you to believe that Drury is under a significant amount of pressure from up high to win now. When a couple years ago, this was a team that we thought could be brought along, not slowly, but brought along. They had a lot of young players. And now it's win, 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 win now. I mean, they accelerated accelerated already. They're already past that point. They they went to the conference finals against Tampa last year. They went. You know, the conversation. Right, there's, there's, a, there's a problem with misinterpreting that act, and that's right. What I think they were they ahead did. of schedule. They were way ahead of schedule on that. Right. Yeah, I mean, they didn't stay in rebuilding mode very long. I mean, no. they immediately had had a chance, but they had the and, and you know, to, in fairness to the Rangers, it was a unique opportunity. Panarin wanted to come there. Right. He right. wanted to play in New York. That was where he wanted, and they saw an opportunity, and they they took it. And um, I don't, I don't know that Laviolette and Gallant are similar coaches. No, Gallant is an instinctual coach. Right. You know, he's not an X's and O's guys. And Laviolette is a um, an attacking coach with real structure. Intense um, X's and O's. Pardon me. 
he's an intense X and O guy. Like he is, he has, he has, he has like one. He's one of the smartest like hockey people I've ever met. Like, yeah, no, no, yeah. He's very, very, very structured, um, in his as attacking. Uh, he has not had a reputation of being able to develop players, but um, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I always think um, that's you know, it, it, I'm I'm not sure we actually know like how much you know. Some guy guys develop at different rates, and you know who their coach is at the time. Yeah, it certainly can impact that. But you know, I'm not sure that we really when he really didn't have a lot of like he brought. We came into. Carolina, when right. they, Paul Maurice had gotten him pretty close, so. but not over the top, and he kicked him over the top. He comes into Philly, you know, where they were pretty much a mess, but he kicks him to the Stanley Cup final. He goes into Nashville, takes him to the Stanley Cup final after yeah. they've been. So he's like, he has this, his, he's like the guy who yeah. takes you the next couple of rounds, which is where the Rangers are. Right. Opinion. But he doesn't last long. You know, he's like the lot in that regard. Right. Right. Um, and by the time he leaves, everybody's unhappy with him. Um, right. You know, there's, yeah. um, right. You know, it's the same thing with Galan. You know, it's the yeah. shelf life is an issue for Peter. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and he's his own worst enemy. You know, yeah. he doesn't he doesn't want to play nice. You know, with his Peter <laughs> left Philly. He left on bad terms, and when he came back, there was serious heat. Like he wouldn't even talk about the Flyers. I mean, and they didn't want no, to talk no. about him. No, I mean. Yeah. Like <clears throat> David Poyle is one of the nicest human beings, and at the end, he had had enough. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. You piss off David Poyle, you've really done something. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, he may be able to take him to the next level. Um, we'll we'll see. You know how that all works out. No, I mean, he hasn't taken anybody to the next level in a long time. No, no. And and you know, like, well, we can say one thing. He's well aware of the the surroundings in the Metropolitan Division because he's yeah. almost every team in the Metropolitan Division. Um, now I like him as a guy. Don't get me wrong. I do. I, I think when, when, if you interview Peter Laviolette, he's a really good interview and very rarely do you catch him on a day where he doesn't want to give you some sort of answer. So I appreciate that, but I just don't think he's the right fit. Now there doesn't seem to be any, um, it, like right now, there's not a lot of chatter about Anaheim and their decision or Columbus and their decision. There's been a lot of speculation about you know Babcock and Laviolette and maybe they're maybe those those organizations are sort of waiting for other teams to make their choices um Kev I do I mean want to talk about the national thing in in one respect apparently they're getting a lot of heat from a lot of the coaching fraternity for the way that they approached the situation with John Hines where he was in limbo and they you know apparently uh, uh Brunette was their their leading guy, but they wanted to talk to Carberry and a few others. Uh, and Burnett wasn't free to talk until after New Jersey was eliminated by Carolina. So that held things up a little bit, but they left Hines who has a year, li- who a year left in his contract in limbo for about a month and then decided to move on from him. And I, mean, I can understand why coaches would have a problem with that, but you know, that's just, and it's surprising that Barry Trotz, a former coach was the one who made that decision. Completely agree with that. Totally shocking to me the way he handled this. Yeah. Um, and uh, Heinz deserved better. He Heinz is a good coach. Yep. Um, I think, uh, you know, from what I heard, uh, Trotz agreed with the assessment that that Nashville team overachieved, that they really weren't all that good. Um, and they hung in there. 
uh, and I think Hines is a good coach. I think there was pressure there in Nashville, though. I think the fan base, the perception was that the coach was the problem. But I, th- I think the roster is the problem. Yeah, yeah. the roster is the problem. Bad yeah. from a, yeah, so, from a so, contract and standpoint and not getting enough out of these guys. Is, and again, is there anyone except me that thinks that this is an odd choice for Barry Trotz? I mean, what is Barry Trotz known for and what is Brunette known for? Right, they're opposite ends of the spectrum. Opposite ends of the spectrum. They're totally you know, um, Trotz is a defense. Let's 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 prevent the teams from scoring goals, and we'll figure out the offense. But Brunette, I, yeah. I do have a but, Kev. Yeah, because Trotz knows Brunette so well, I think he's going to talk him into playing the the Predators' way. So okay, I mean, well, I guess the Florida Panthers could not do that. No, I know. But all, I think all they, they asked him get, to do was is to be better defensively. I think they're going to get Brunette to do that because remember. I think Brunette was a much harder property until he left the Devils for a while and for whatever reason, right? And and then when he came back, you know, they were still really good. So he it's good that he got a job. But I think he was more limited. He was much, much hotter before that. So I think he's probably had to make some adjustments. Yeah, no, that's, that's fair. I mean, yeah. everybody evolves. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he's a different coach now. And I'm sure they've had that conversation. But oh, yeah. I, I, I agree with what Mike said completely, 100%. It's odd how poorly Barry handled this, given, yeah. you know, and I, isn't he involved in the coaching, whatever that kind of organization is? I like, yeah, you know, I would think so. I thought, I, yeah, I, so he was, he was a long, probably the longest standing member of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, but I, I thought he was kind of active in it and. You know, the only so. thing I said yesterday, I was I was mad at the way they did it, but the excuse kind of was, well, um, they took a while to sort of get Barry in there in the position, signed in the position, so then he kind of had to, you know, do things quickly. But Mike said he did keep Hines in the loop, but again, uh, you know, you, you you dumped him at a bad time. Yeah, couldn't no. couldn't, you know, it reminds me of what happened. Remember in San Jose, they did that as well. They, um, yeah. You know, kept that. Was that, was that with Ron? Was that with Ron Bugner. Wilson? Oh, Bugner. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so news just breaking, and it was it's been breaking since last night, but uh, apparently officially uh, announced just moments ago. Uh, Chris Johnston from TSN uh, reporting officially that uh, Brad for Living is the new GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, not surprising. There'll probably be a media availability tomorrow. Um, he, he f- apparently was the, the overwhelming first choice of Shanahan and really didn't come off of that ever since. And then a few days after, uh, Cal Dubas was let go for living's name was the, the natural, uh, you know, direction for them to go. Cause he had just been a general manager. You know, he's, he's well, uh, prepared to handle sort of the bureaucracy of, uh, of ownership, um, dealing with multiple owners in Calgary, dealing with and his family, you know, his father is the owner of Boston pizza. So, um, he knows, you know, corporate, uh, corporate, uh, the way machinations, uh, corporate uh, world works. Um, not a, not a bad general manager, Kev, but the, the, the reaction that I've heard from a lot of people is sort of like, this is a Menza Menza pick. He's not terrible, not great. You know, sort of like, you know, yeah. Uh, 
Well, that's the media reaction, but let, let me just throw this out too. Um, the me- media has been sort of, eh, you know, about it, um, but this is was my take on it. Brendan Shanahan, you know, sort of cut his teeth in management from working at the league, and the league loves Brad Trilliving. They, they think he's buttoned up. He does everything right, just for the reasons you mentioned. You know, he's grown up in a corporate environment. He's very professional. You know, he presents well. Um, you know, he he's follows the league rules. He's uh, engaged in the GM meetings. Uh, there's a lot going on with him. And they, they just think, you know, this is the kind of person we want sitting in the GM um, chair. You know, he's a, he's a good guy. And I think Shanahan got to know him, I'm guessing. Um, this is a total guess, but I assume he got to know him when he was at the league. At the, and, uh, at the board, either that or the board of governors meetings. That, uh, that yeah, happened. yeah, for sure. So I, I, I just think this made a lot of sense for him. He's going to have a working knowledge. He's going to appreciate what he brings to the table. And um, you know, there's there's a couple kinds of general managers. You know, you have the general managers that were former players who came up through and then sort of learned about management. And then you have guys who were good management people that sort of learned, came up sort of a different way. And that's uh, sort of tree living was, you know, not the star NHL player who, you know, uh, has, has kind of come in that way. So um, I think this is a good hire. I, I think you need a kind of a strong corporate style guy when you're in um, Toronto. I think the reason they hired him is, yeah, he's he's all the things Kevin said. Uh, he's also a bit boring, and I think Toronto wanted things to be a little, little more boring now post Dubas because they had enough um, histrionics for a little while. And also, I think Shanahan will have more influence on True Living, and I think that's another another factor in this hire. I don't think Shanahan was going to hire anybody that he felt like he was going to have to go head to head with like he did with Dubas this past season, as was later reported. So I think that's the reason. Will he do the best job? I don't know about that. Um, I, I think True Living has, you know, has his good and bad, like all GMs. Uh, but if he's going, if, if they're going to start bringing in a lot of Calgary um, influence, I don't think Calgary has been a good organization for a while now. So well, well, we, we, I mean, we'll, we'll see how that unfolds. I mean, the, the, the one thing I think that's, that's right on is that, you know, after do, and, and like I said, I, I like Kyle Dubas and I think Kyle Dubas has d- did a pretty good job in five years as Leafs GM, but clearly the autonomy that he wanted, that he sort of demanded um, and didn't get when they dismissed him is something that for living didn't ask for, because if he was asking for the same thing, he wouldn't have gotten the job. So um, I, I now we'll see what direction they go. Like, you know, I mean, they, they have a lot of things in the hopper that they have to get done before July 1st. If they if possible, you know, contracts to be signed, possibly trades to be made the draft. He won't be involved in the draft, apparently, because that was one of the conditions of him being made available uh, to negotiate with other teams, to talk to other teams. Um, the interesting thing here, Kevin, I'd like to get X feedback on this when he comes back on is the Dubas situation in Pittsburgh and how it might be tied to what's going on in Toronto. Dubas, the talk was that Dubas was going to have to make a decision. Uh, it was in his court, and he'd have to make a decision about the Pittsburgh job uh, either yesterday or today. Hasn't come down yet. 
right now, the hierarchy in Toronto, Brandon Pridham, their assistant GM, Wes Clark, uh, Ryan Hardy, a lot of the guys, you know, Haley Wickenheiser, everybody that was brought into the Leaf organization are Dubas acolytes. They're all Dubas hires. Some of them have lengthy contracts. Some of them two, three years. Some of them maybe are up at the end of the year. Does Dubas feel comfortable going to Pittsburgh where he can't bring his hierarchy along with him? And will the Leafs let them go? I mean, you could have Brendan Shanahan sitting at the draft table by himself if he let everybody go uh, to, to Pittsburgh if Dubas got hired as GM. So it's a comfort, it's a comfort level of what, you know, whether Dubas uh, will want to go someplace without his sort of support staff or whether he'll take a year off and wait for some of those contracts to expire and then go someplace else. That's the interesting thing that's going on right now that we won't know probably for another 30, you know, 36 to 48 hours. I, I don't know that I've ever heard of, and Russ, you've been around. I don't think I've ever heard of a GM that didn't make a move based on bringing his guys with him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, I think, you know, no, I everybody agree. like everybody likes their guys. There's a long yeah. history of bringing in guys you trust, but I've yeah. never ever like I doubt whether that's a major factor. Yeah, I, I think, I, and yeah. I told Mike this. I think he's taking the job, and I think there'll be yeah. one or two that he'll either offer a higher position to to try and get him away from the Leafs, or just wait till their contract expires and get him away from the Leafs because apparently they do have some contract issues in in, yeah. in the yeah. organization. And I think he'll exploit those weaknesses, but I don't think that'll stop him from taking the job and, either. And it's standard operating procedure for new general managers to come in, uh, you know, the old regime, they draft, and then all those scouts are without work the following week. I right. mean, that happens so often. It does. Because, they, because the GM does want to hire, you know, his scouts, new guys, or, or right. you know, guys that, you know, you know, yeah, the foot soldiers like that's there's certain ones that he's going to want. No question about it. Right. Yeah. The, he, you know, he's just going to be comfortable with and the same is true of the management staff. I mean, most GMs do want to bring in their assistant GM that they like or, right. you know, maybe he's got. And so, you know, those, After those, a couple of years, Kev, this turns into a rebuilding job anyhow. And he's good at that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's been through it. I mean, yeah. So that's that's true. No, I agree. They're I like they're going to. We we spoke we, you know we've we've spoken to some people about it and it looks like maybe two years more they'll hang on with this we'll try and win thing and then that's it like it's gonna the wheels will come off and they're gonna have to rebuild so and he's a good guy for that. I was working a little bit on the Brad Living thing, which you guys uh, I heard you talk about anyway. But um, when I got I got is why I went off originally because I was trying to get the confirmation on that too. But um, I thought you were trying to confirm deaths in the uh, Otter Show. Otter, no, 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 that's already been done. Um, but here, but but the Brad, the Brad, the Brad Trilivic thing is. Um, I know you said something, Kevin. I was listening, and, and that you said something along the lines of like he is well respected, he is well put together, and I do agree with you. But um, he also um, he's also well known for being able to take orders from above too. Yeah, and, I brought um, that up. You brought that up. Okay, cool. You brought that up. Too. Okay, cool. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting situation. Like, how much control will Shanahan have now? How much more control will he have now than before? You know, or will it be something that we see in a different way? Um, is it something that they thought Dubas was too? Dubas had definite opinions. You know, like he was an opinionated guy. Well, like Dubas, I believe that Dubas, and the reason that things fell apart was that Dubas wanted more autonomy 
uh, wanted more ability yeah. to go to the MLS and E board directly, not pass it through, you know, Shanahan. There were apparently deals that had that uh, fell apart or that had a yeah. time constraint on them where he had to go to Shanahan, then to the board, then back to Shanahan. It's like, you know, he wanted the authority to maybe cut through the red tape a little more. And I mean, there are some people who perceive that as him usurping Shanahan's power. Now, I, I don't know, but, but all I know is that I think that that that's a factor, but other general managers have, have succeeded in a level of bureaucracy that that thick. So, I mean, I, yeah. so, but I, but I could see, I could see how that could be frustrating and that maybe that was a, that was something that Dubis played on in terms of leverage to, to get on his new deal, because honestly, look at the changes that are going to have to happen in Toronto over the next year or two. You're going to probably have to replace most of the organization because they're all Dubas hires. They're all going to go where Dubas is going. And, you know, he probably thought, okay, the organization doesn't want to do that. So I got a card to play here. And he played it and Shanahan said, you're gone. So they're going to make those changes. Now, you know, Tor Living is well-respected. Um, uh, now, you know, nobody knows how he'll succeed in Toronto. He's made big decisions. He's been in a Canadian market. I mean, I'm, of course I'm interested because I covered the team where this is going to go, but he's going to have, and, and I think he had the one advantage that he has over other candidates, Kev, is he was in the league last year. He, you know, like some other GMs that they talked to, um, whether it be Peter Shirelli or Mark Bergevin or Jason Botterill, even though some have been assistant GMs or advisors, they haven't been decision makers for a couple years. And things in the NHL change pretty quickly. So the fact that for living was in the, it was a GM of a Canadian team just mere weeks ago is an advantage for him to get on the ball running. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think this what happened with Toronto though speaks to um, the idea of um, it, it makes you wonder whether, and you know, and I guess the Penguins have already decided they like the structure, but you know, we're s- slowly sort of moving to the idea of having both a director of hockey operations and a yeah. GM, and. Um, you know, you wonder now when you look back why we're, you know, why we're doing this because that, that the Duba situation points out kind of the flaws with that. If you look historically and let's just look back like, you know, the Edmonton Oilers dynasty, you know, Glenn Sather worked directly with Peter Pocklington, the owner. Now, I understand that, you know, we don't have those individual owners that you're dealing with corporate now, but that to me, that seems if you think about it, because what we've seen how this worked, that makes more sense to do it the old way because, you know, usually now you're just going to a guy that doesn't know a lot about hockey. Um, and what's right. the matter, whether it's a director of hockey operations right. or right. – By the way, speaking of a team with a singular owner, uh, the Rangers, uh, Thomas Boyle likes to say breaking. It really isn't breaking. It was 23 minutes ago that TSN posted that uh, John Hines could talk to the Rangers. So they've asked permission – so they're going to look at them. I, you know, do I think that's better in Laviolette? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and, you know, just going back, you know, Harry Sinden and Jacobs, Ken Holland and Mike Illich, you know, so it, I, I, I get the whole Dubas thing and why maybe that was an issue. I mean, yeah. why isn't 
just Brendan Shanahan, the general manager, you know, yeah, right. exactly. Couldn't he be a general manager? He could definitely yeah. Be. Yeah. I mean, he, if Eisenman can, he can. Yeah, sure. Right. Right. Oh, exactly. Why, okay. Why isn't he the general manager? Kev? Because well, yeah. I, I do know why he is. Cause you know, he's more, he's safer. Yes. He yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad you said it because I, and then I didn't. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I didn't he actually say that? I think I'm pretty sure he had said that. Yeah, I, 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 it would be a, it would be a remarkable amount of candor from him. But you know, he he talks he talks to the Toronto media at the beginning of training camp and at the end of the year, and very rarely in between. So right. I'd love to yeah, hear. Well, that that's kind of Eiserman too. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. true. But true. Uh, but I'll 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 just say I'll just say this: we had Brian Metzer on our. Uh, off the post show yesterday and he did mention during the show that there was some chatter about sort of a, a duality like um team president general manager like it was with burke and hextall and there had been some talk about eddie olchek and a couple other name a couple other names and olchek was in the mix for the team president for the flyers so yeah. it'd be ironic if he ends up the team president of the penguins and i think he was in the mix for team president for chicago a couple he years was. ago it was yeah yeah so yeah, in a couple of the i i think eddie olchek would be fantastic um yeah. in in that role um because uh, you know he's got the personality to deal with ownership and he's very hockey knowledgeable so and popular yeah yeah popular guy too which is uh, which helps you know like keith jones in philly yeah. is definitely a popular choice here that's oh, yeah, like popular. that's a big thing that that helps you know that helps ease things down so we should get into this stand like a final kids um because like we talk about i'm really excited about it and i think that this is one of the this is going to be this is definitely one of the harder ones to call. I mean, we have seen three team, two teams here who both have, you know, I mean, Florida's just on a roll and a half. Like they've won right. 12 of 14, you know, of the last 14 games they've won, which is craziness. But let, let me just ask this and get this out of the way. Cause yeah. all we're going to hear Kev over the next few days is, well, the, the, the amount of time in between their sweep, of Carolina and the start of the, you know, that that's going to sort of sap their mojo. I mean, I, I, you know, I think there's a point to that, but it, when it gets mentioned so much, it gets to be almost a self-fulfilling. Yeah. I mean, I think it historically it has impacted the starts of the game one. Yeah. No so, question. But that's Thanks. it. Yeah. And then and they get into it. Yeah, by the second period, you're fine. But it, like, it, yeah. But at the same time, I do think, I do think it saps the energy from the game. I think that I wish I think that this 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 kind of delay between even you know it could be more Vegas, yeah yeah even Vegas you know like Vegas has a week practically right so it's like we're talking about I mean that's just and they won six games that seems inexcusable to me like you know like a six game series shouldn't go have a week off like that because really what you're doing is just leaving when we go from a hockey every night scenario you know where the playoffs we've had hockey almost every night there's been a couple nights when we're having a game but every night's pretty much to like no games for like nine to eight days. Yeah. Well, it's not ideal, that's for sure. But you know, as they always say in the NFL, you know, it's multi millions and millions of dollars. So we're going to do what TV wants. So yeah. you know, so. would it be better to get started before the NBA playoffs. I don't know. I'm just like thinking. I don't know. I, I get it. better. Yes, but yeah, apparently, yeah. again, like somebody, I was asked when I was on a show, like you know, who's the big winner in all this? And I'm like TNT because they get to basically tell the league when they want to put these games on and what day and everything else, they're the winners. Does, okay. What's the, what's the over under on uh, appearances by Charles Barkley during the Stanley cup final? I would they say one every game. 
Yeah, I hope so. You know, obviously he's very good for ratings. And, yeah, he's very entertaining. Um, and he loves and he loves he loves the sport. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely loves it. So yeah. I so let's talk about this series, Kevin. Who? Where do you go? Where do you go with this thing? Well, I'm, I'm going with what I you know I I stuck with it. Uh, it didn't serve me particularly well in round two, but it served me well in the conference finals when I said I'm taking the teams that are playing the best. Um, and I took Vegas and Florida, and I'm sticking in the final. I'm doing exactly the same. I, I just think Florida's playing the best overall, not to take anything away from Vegas because I think they've um, also played well all the way through. I mean, their goaltending has been good. Aiden Hill has been, you know, one of the big surprises of the um, tournament. And, uh, to, you know, he, he'd never been in a playoff game and then ends up as a replacement goalie and has played well at a couple of shutouts and, has gotten the job done. Yeah. Um, but I think Bobrovsky has been more impressive. Um, yeah. And I just think they've got it going. I mean, you know, could, it's hard to remember anybody having the impact in one playoff year um, other than, you know, the Gretzky's and Lemieux's than Kachuk's had. You know, yeah. he's been involved in eight um, game-winning goals. He's uh, – just been a real leader playing, you know, more physical than he has in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, I remember since the start of this year, I brought up how many, how his hits weren't, you know, he was still, he was basically playing a reputation. He just didn't have the number of hits he had had in, you know, previous right. years. Right. Well, this postseason, he's been a sure. physical force, but it goes beyond that. I mean, they've had all of their secondary scoring guys have contributed. Barkov's had this one spectacular goal that we're all going to remember. And yeah. Um, they're playing well. And then, you know, Vegas has got it going on as well. I mean, um, you know, Carlson, besides being a two-way force, has got, you know, set a team record now. They're only six years old, but still, you know, 10 goals and uh, that he has had. And, uh, right. you know, they've got everything going. And, you know, the Misfits, the six guys from the, the year of all, all playing well. So playing well. I, I'm, I'm with you about this just being a spectacular series on, on paper. And, you know, yeah. it's Toss up, but I'm going with Florida. It, yeah, yeah, it feels like you know, like an almost like um, the, what I like about the World Series when you see like the uh, you know the you know the, the two the two different leagues playing each other where you have no idea what's going to happen. It feels like that to me a little bit for hockey because it feels like there's because Florida had such a different path than Vegas had, you know, and so such different kinds of teams. And uh, Florida's path is by far the hardest anyone's ever had to get there. You got to take that into account. The fact that they're twelve and two, playing the hardest path they could ever get to, it's hard to say that anyone's ever ever been playing better going into the Stanley Cup Finals than Florida is right now. Kev, I mean, you're right about that. There's like this is as good as you can get. Yeah. I mean, this is, but you know, um, but my pick is I'm going with Vegas. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> I, bet. I, I mean, I said all that, but at this, I think that uh, watching we forget how good a team Dallas is when you watch Vegas play Dallas. Dallas is a really good team. Yeah. And Vegas made them not look like a really good team at all. And, and and they made Ottinger look normal and they made, but they made Dallas look even normal. And Dallas was coming in looking really good. Like, so to, to the, to the point act that, that Dallas is now questioning the direction right. of their franchise and trading Jamie Ben or, you know, things of that nature, which I think it might be a little bit of an overreaction. Well, but, I think it is. Oh, but they wanted to trade Jamie Ben for yeah, a long right. time. Yeah. yeah like, like it's just, it's almost like this is just a nice rationalization. <laughs> That's you know, true. like they like, oh, now we've got a reason we can sell it to yes. our fan base. 
So well, I got nine point five. I got nine point five million reasons right, why right, it's right, going to be tough to do right, it. But anyway. right. Oh yeah, that's that's been their whole problem. Yeah, they haven't been able to train them. But they are. Vegas is is deeper than anybody that Florida's played so far, as far as lines go. They the, the fact that they've got four lines running, I think, are Florida. Florida runs three lines kind of, and like the fourth line once in a while, not as much. But they really are running four lines, and they are faster uh, transitionally than anybody that they that 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 Florida's played so far. I think. I think. I think the transition that the, the, the from defense to offense. It's just with Vegas, it's just crazy. And now Florida is a really fast transition game too. So we should see some really fast pace up and down. The good thing about these both these teams is they both love to score. They both rather would play shootouts with each other. So I think that's yeah, but they don't. They're not going to do that in the Stanley Cup. They're not going to do that in the Stanley Cup Finals. But they both have it in them. Yes. So you can you'll see you'll see like a one nothing game, then a five four game. Like you'll see that that'll happen in the series. I think it'll be you'll see that both those like where they play tight to the best, but then when they both start shooting with each other, they'll both just gun at each other and that'll be fun to watch so you'll get because they both really have made it their mission to be able to win both those kind of games and the, you know florida that's palm reese's whole thing was we can only win when we outscore a team last year this year we're going to learn to win win a low scoring game and that's what he's done and that's what florida has done very well there was a lot more a lot more defensive buy-in from florida right. this year than i've ever seen that anybody anybody thought that they could do because last year yeah they yeah, were they, they were they were more wide open than Toronto was last they year. They were. They, they they set a record for goal scored last year. Like by you know it, it, you know they were really that offensive and they have that in them still and they want to do that. That's there are there are horses being held back and you see it once in a while. They had like one high scoring game I think, at least one high scoring game in these playoffs where they went and did that. They won six five I think somewhere along the line. I forget what was it two that was against, but um might have been Boston maybe. Um yeah I think it was Boston. But they yeah this is um I just think that. As good as Bobrovsky is, I thought Ottinger was really good too. I, I think I think this is going to be hard. I think this is going to be hard. I think I think this is Vegas' series in six. That's my theory on it. But. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say this before I make my prediction. Um, I think it could be the most physical Stanley Cup final since Boston St. Louis in 2019. Yeah, you know because Florida Florida plays that sort of balls out physicality with Bennett running people and Gudis doing what Gudis does and does he does it very well and Kachuk we know we know Kachuk likes to do that and can throw an opponent off off of the uh uh off of their game by doing that and getting underneath their skinny you know Matthew Kachuk is one of the best forwards in the league he's also a six foot three 200 pound rat and that you know that and and you know, getting underneath the skin. He he didn't. The one team he really didn't get underneath the skin of was Toronto. He was all, sort of off in that series, but against yeah, Boston, against Boston, and against Carolina, he was very aggravating. That's because Toronto didn't want to play physically. Like you know, when you know, it, 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 Kachuk is kind of like that monster that you know, like like the old thing with Eric Lindros when he was you know when they, when he was here in Philly was like, don't wake him up. You know, like well, you know, ideally you don't. Ideally, like you don't want like. Yeah, if you're if you're Paul Maurice, you don't want him to do that for one simple reason. He's so valuable as an offensive contributor, as a playmaker, as a game-winning overtime goal scorer. That you don't want him. Let Ryan Lombard do that. Let uh, let, let uh, uh, you know other players. Do you do and you don't, Mike. I mean, he's like he is better when he's when he's got that edge on him too. Like he's right. he's like he's not to get to be Kachuk. He has to have a little bit of pissed off anger going inside of him. Like and you know the the the, the Game three came in in Carol when Carolina came in for game three into Florida. 
very first shift, you remember, remember Kachuk goes around the back, you know, it's, a, it's an icing or something like that. And Kachuk is there and just slaps the stick of like one of the Calgary players who's like poking at him a little bit. Just let, and that was when you knew Kachuk was like, he's in, he's in, he's engaged. He's that's him, you know, like, and the rest of the game, he was on fire, you know, and it just ended up winning the game, obviously. But just, you can see that, you know, if you don't, I think in Toronto, there was a lot of skating, a lot of like offense being played and Kachuk didn't get emotionally involved as much as he, he needed to, or oh, should have. My, my time's getting a little thin. Mike, yes. what's your prediction? My mine's Vegas and six. Oh, you said that. Okay, I wasn't sure because I had You're to look sure. that one. Go ahead. So the, I look at it like I still think Vegas home ice does mean something. Though you know they really didn't. They've never booed, got booed from their fans, and I do think they do get energy from them. And so I think that's something that could come into play. Uh, Aiden Hill's done better than we all think. He, he may not be great, but he's done better than we all think. I think. Vegas uh, knows how to play the uglier game better than Florida. I think Florida's commitment to it is better, but Vegas really does know how to do it. And they did destroy Dallas uh, when they needed to at the right time. Sure. You know, they let Jamie Ben get back there. And then when Ben got back there, they crushed him. So yeah. Yeah. that showed a lot to me. It did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Guys like Marcia. So have been great. You know, Carlson with his 10 goals is better defensively. Like he's a, he's a, he's a shutdown guy. Uh, White Cloud doesn't get enough, you know, talking about like there's a lot there, Petrangelo. But in the end, I just look at it like I feel like Vegas has more experience. They're more experienced than this. They've added the right guys. They're strong down the middle. And so I think Vegas is winning in six, too. And, you know, I do love the fact that somebody will be there will be a new champion. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I just don't. And, and I wrote Florida for all these rounds, but I just. I feel like their ride is going to be up because I just feel like Kachuk being a jerk just isn't going to be enough this round. Like it's going to take more than that. Yeah. It wasn't really Kachuk being a jerk really wasn't why they beat the Bruins. Like, you know, and, right. and, 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 and Vegas is a lot like the Bruins. Yeah. Similar made teams, you know, um, Bruins have, you would think better goaltending, but it didn't show up for them as better goaltending necessarily. But besides yeah. that, defensively they have, they both have the big guys, the McAvoy's, the Petrangelo's, they both have the, Depth. They both have the well-rounded team. But Boston, Boston's top two centers were both hurt, and we've learned over right. the three rounds that Vegas up the middle is stronger than most teams. And you know, with Eichel, Carlson, Stevenson, and then even your fourth line, if it's I don't know if it's Wah or uh, or uh, Kolasar or whoever whoever's playing that center on that fourth line, strong. They're strong up the middle, and. I mean, I think they, they can combat what uh, what Florida has with Lundell and Barkoff and right. whoever else. And, and I loved I loved that Cassidy um, said that they played in the basement with the Coyotes. I don't care that he had to apologize for that. Oh, he, that's great because he has that kind of emotion. Yeah, and and that matters. Like that emotion matters. Like he seen Cassidy at in press conferences and. Maurice is always more like calculating and thought out. And Cassidy is just like off the cuff, like whatever very he feels, so. you're going to know. Yeah, very much so. Agreed. Agreed. Totally. No, I think that that's hundred percent true. And um, yeah, we're going to, I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be a great series. It could go like, you know, Florida could sweep them. <laughs> it's just like, they could be playing so well. They no, they're not going to sweep them. I don't think they're going to sweep them either, but I, my, but my gut thinks, you know, they got a chance. they're a good team. I mean, there's no doubt. They're a very good team and they're playing so well. 
that the first couple games are going to really be telling. Like, you I know, like Bob giving up like a goal or two on like five shots to start the first game. I can. Yeah, I could see the first game being a real tough one for Florida, but I could see that them taking the second game. Like I could see that happening in happening oh. that way pretty easily. Like I do think that Florida it plays a lot like Dallas, and they that that does help. Vegas coming into this, you know, because Vegas has just played against Dallas, who might be a better version of Florida in some ways, you know, like that's, and so that, that's the reality. It's me. Um, I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but that's all the time we have for today, folks. Remember without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Enjoy another night without.